What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Yo, before we get into today's episode, CityCast Chicago has launched our very own membership just in time for the holiday season. Come on, come on. Don't skip ahead. I know a lot of people asking for your coin right now, but if over the last three years you've loved CityCast's great Chicago stories, melodic good news, and them hilarious bloopers, consider becoming a member today. Starting at just eight bucks a month, you can help make sure this podcast stays around for another 600, 700, 800 episodes, plus you'll get ad-free listening, members updates. Hey, I'll even throw in a box of Crunchy Curls, a sweet steak, and a cake shake. All right, I'm capping with them last three, but the first two are definitely legit. You can sign up now to be one of our very first members at membership.citycast.fm. All right, let's get to the show. Today on CityCast Chicago... CPS officials say they want to reprioritize neighborhood schools. Chicago will remain a sanctuary city for now. And more thoughts on the best snacks this city has to offer. Professor and author Ariane Nettles and Axios reporter Carrie Shepard are in the building. It's Friday, December 15th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is what Chicago is talking about. Morning, Carrie. How you feeling today? Great. I'm so happy to see you guys. This is a wonderful way to close out 2023 with you guys. Morning, Ari. Welcome back for, honestly, if Carrie wasn't here, I'd say you, between the two of y'all, you've been here the absolute most of anybody <laughs> to, to be on the recap. But Carrie got me. I was going to say, to be fair, I was getting a paycheck for a while from them. So, you know, that was my job. <laughs> Every single Friday, we like to bring in our friends from across the city to break down the biggest stories they were following this week. But before we get into the conversation, you know, we got to start with a little bit of chatter. And in Wednesday's episode this week, we talked all about Chicago snacks. If y'all been paying attention during those Wednesday episodes, we've been leaning into Chicago food conversations. And this was the week to talk snacks, whether we talking Okie Doke or Garrett's popcorn, whether we talking Jay's chips, whether we talking about all the candy that has its roots in Chicago. There are plenty of snacks to choose from. Ari, first, I'm going to start with you. Are you a snacker? I am unfortunately a huge snacker. <laughs> okay. So you got um, so serious on your face. because it's a it's a battle. Okay, I'm sorry. I love I love all snacks. Matter of fact, when I was in high school, they my nickname was Snacks on my cheerleading team. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, yes, you're my that cheerleading up. coach. My cheerleading coach used to call me Snacks because it would be like, "Do you want snacks? Yes, I want snacks, and I will finish your snacks if you're well, not gonna finish them." <laughs> What was the thing you you were known for bringing? What what was your go to snack? If you but had that's one? the thing, it's anything. It would be anything you have, right? Are we getting <laughs> Are we getting Are we getting hot chips with cheese? Yes, I'm eating that. Are we getting pickles? Yes, I'm eating that. Are we getting cookies, cakes? Yes, I was gonna say. 
I can only speak for Chicago, but going to a corner store or yes. um, even like a gas station that's willing to crack open a bag of chips and yes. throw some meat and cheese and some jalapenos meat and on cheese. it. Meat yes. However, because we talking about Chicago specifically, Vintners, Crunchy Curls, you know. Yeah. Carrie, when I was leaving the Bridgeport CVS with my eight bags of hot crunchy curls. You happened to text mm-hmm. me and was just like, right, I'm listening to this snack episode. Because we talking about a lot about candy. I got snack thoughts. He was like, can we talk about snacks on Friday? I was like, yes, I- anything for you, C. Uh, so so what's, what's these thoughts? What, what thoughts you had listening to the episode? Okay, <laughs> okay. I have to, I'm with you in the Vit Nerd. I, I think Jays are kind of BS. I think they're a little underwhelming. Uh, I say I'm, I'm Lays over Jays. You're Lays over Jays. Okay, Lays over Jays. Oh, with no, the no, barbe- no. Bar- were we talking about yes. barbecues and stuff? Yeah, the Jays uh-uh, are better than uh-uh. the Lays. The Lays are okay. The Lays are yes, not the Jays are better. Right. I was gonna say, don't, don't, don't put Lays over Jays. It's Jays no. over Lays. Okay, when we talk Jays about over like, Lays. Especially, especially Lays barbecue. Over Jays sweet. Over here. How you gonna you do Lays doesn't have a sweet baby rays. Sweet and tangy. That's only Jays. Only Chicago will have a sweet baby rays flavored chip. Okay, that you can have at a barbecue. I feel you. I just feel like throw some sweet baby rays on some lays. I think they better. I'm with you and Michelle on the Garrett's the mix. Mm. I just pick out. I just pick out the the caramel and I freak. keep it pushing. I don't need. I, I don't that. need them together. I don't need that mix, <laughs> and it's overpriced. I don't want it. Okay, I'm done with snacks. <laughs> hey, we want to know if y'all got Chicago snack thoughts. Obviously. People got opinions. They got thoughts. Is you Jays over Lays? How you feeling about this? Let us know by reaching out to us at 773-780-0246. Leave us a text message or a voicemail, and you could hear yourself on the podcast. Like I said earlier, every single week we like to bring in the homies to talk about some of the big stories that was happening across our city this week. And Ari, I want to start with you, which which felt like a big story, though it didn't have a lot, a lot of policy initiatives behind it yet and very much felt rhetorical in nature. Uh, the school board and Chicago public school officials coming out saying they want to reprioritize neighborhood schools. This felt like a big deal to me. Can catch CityCast listeners up if they miss this announcement. Yes, absolutely. And so this is a big deal because when we talk about neighborhood schools, about 50% of elementary school kids go to their neighborhood school, but only about a quarter of high school kids go to it. Um, And so basically, this is not like a specific, we are going to close charter schools or we are going to get rid of selective enrollment, nothing like that. But it is a, how are we going to reprioritize neighborhood schools and change the process. Um, And so they're voting on that, which they say would be a five-year plan, um, which would also include feedback from the community, which I think is um, a pretty, you know, interesting thing and could go a lot of ways. But we've seen specifically, you know, just this drastic decline in enrollment, especially in high schools um, around the city. I mean, elementary schools too, but you see all of these, you see these huge buildings that we have that have very, very low enrollment, just a couple hundred students even. Um, And like we all know, we all fear these more mass school closings. And so um, how do, I'm, I'm sure it's a concern, how do you reprioritize that? But of course, 
parents have concerns. So if your neighborhood school only has a couple hundred kids, if you think that they already don't have the best resources, you're not going to want to send your kids there. You're going to want to seek out alternative opportunities. And a lot of these alternative opportunities um, are much less diverse than they are intended to be. They're not like these magic solutions for opportunity and diversity. And so I think just acknowledging that maybe so much choice has hurt um, our neighborhood Mm -hmm. schools. So um, the Board of Education leaders have not said that they are just trying to eliminate everything, but they have said that they want to kind of figure out a plan to reprioritize these neighborhood schools. Reevaluate. Reevaluate and make them more of a priority um, for funding um, in the upcoming years. And, you know, just as a plan, with a rollout of a plan. And that makes sense based on, of course, these these enrollment numbers that we have seen. You know, we talked a lot, especially this year, about this being the anniversary of the closing of 50 um, CPS schools, right? And so I'm sure that as most Chicagoans will argue that we don't want that to happen again, right? Like that we don't want that. But if you have really low enrollment, um, the cost to keep a lot of those schools open is going to be art. It's going to be argued that it's not feasible. And so there's going to have to be some solutions. And so I think that it'll be interesting to see what type of feedback is given and what types of solutions um, are created in order to kind of make that reprioritization. Yeah. Our friends over at Chalkbeat did, in my opinion, a very good job of really breaking down what the school choice system has looked like in Chicago over the last 30 and 40 years as we've built more and more charter schools as Mayor Daley, you know, 30, 40 years ago was prioritizing growing enrollment and under the guise of giving parents more choice. The idea is if your neighborhood school isn't living up to what you expect for your children that you can maybe send them somewhere else in the school. But like you said, the number of consequences that have come in the year since, like you talked about at this point, maybe 55 percent of elementary school students go to the the their neighborhood school that's down from 74 percent just 20 years ago right we're down to less yeah. than a quarter of high school students that's down from almost 50 percent 20 years ago and i mean we've talked with our newsletter editor sydney madden who you know is of our team was probably the person who most recently sort of went through like the the testing to try to get into a school phase and she just talked about mm-hmm. how stressful the school choice system has been for kids, right? We focus a lot on what parents want for their kids, yeah. but but haven't really talked about, well, how does this system impact young people who may be traveling, you know, miles and miles away from their neighborhood every single day, multiple times a day just to get to school? It doesn't talk about how school choice in many ways reinforces cycles of inequity because a school loses yes. enrollment, they lose money. They lose more enrollment, they yes. lose more money. Yes. And, and and now there's a chance they could be closed. So th- just the idea that CPS officials, the school board of education, were sort of openly discussing, well, how do we get back towards not only fulfilling one of Brandon Johnson's campaign promises to invest in neighborhood schools, but this is a public good. 
Like sh- public yes. schools need to be well resourced for our city um, to be a, a sustainable, equitable, uh, you know, efficient place, not only for young people, but for all of us. Uh, nearly half of the charter schools authorized by the Chicago Board of Education are up for renewal this year and dozens more yes, will be yes. next year. So we don't actually know how the 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 board will move forward. And there's a chance maybe some charter schools um, or private schools, you know, could could see funding sort of being reallocated back to neighborhood schools, but definitely a story to follow. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. On to another huge story in the city this week. I mean, for the last few months, it feels like we've updated CityCast listeners every week about what's going on with the Johnson administration's plan to house the now over 25,000 asylum seekers and new arrivals who've come to the city of Chicago. Uh, To be clear, about half of those people uh, had already been in city shelters um, at one point or another. You've had people staying at airports, at uh, police stations. And this week, another plan Another planned shelter on 115th and Halsted looks like it has been paused. It looks like the state is moving towards uh, opening a shelter at a shuttered CVS in Little Village. Uh, With all that being said, people still have plenty of questions uh, for the Johnson administration. Uh, But one question that had been coming up over the last few months is, will Chicago's status as a sanctuary city remain? Uh, because as we've talked about, how do we provide resources for uh, asylum seekers? You've had some alders come up and say, well, hey, maybe if Chicago wasn't a sanctuary city, this situation uh, could be easier to deal with. Um, Carrie, I want to bring you in here because the city council uh, took up a vote to say whether or not that uh, if Chicago sanctuary city should go on the ballot as a referendum for Chicagoans to decide. Um, and, and they took a vote. How, how did that come down? So we should be clear that the alders who are pushing for there to be a question on the March ballot asking Chicagoans, should we or shouldn't we be a sanctuary city, are conflating the two issues a bit. The migrants, the migrants arrival and and strategically they're doing this purposely, right? Purposefully, right? They are using these are some of your more conservative aldermen on the far northwest side. You have Anthony Beale. He's from the south side. He's part of this contingent of alders that's been pushing this. They are riding on the fact that Chicagoans are frustrated. They are being told over and over again, you're spending all this money to house migrants and they're in your neighborhood. And I was down at the Brighton Park migrant camp actually the day that the state pulled the plug on it. And 
across the street, there are huge signs of the people who live there that say, no, 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 we don't want it. Take care of your take care of your own. Johnson disappointing. So they're driving these wedges in community. This issue in, in some of these politicians are using it to drive wedges in these communities. So they're saying, hey, if we put it on the ballot asking people if they want to welcome migrants, immigrants, et cetera, they believe that Chicagoans will say, no, we don't. Of course not. Look at the mess we're in now. We have been a sanctuary city since 1985 when Harold Washington made us a sanctuary city. And a sanctuary city means that you cannot, the city is not forced to work with federal agents to deport immigrants who are living here. It's not necessarily even about the, I mean, it's part of, but it's not even just about these new new arrivals and the migrants, the, like you said, 25,000. And there are so many people who say this is the foundation of who we are. You can't, you know, you can't take this away, you know, just because of one, you know, one governor in Texas political maneuvering. On Thursday, city council voted against putting that on the ballot, thus sort of keeping in, keeping that Chicago will stay a sanctuary city. Um, and the lines were pretty evenly where you would think the more conservative aldermen who have been pushing against migrants and Chicago being a sanctuary city voted that they wanted this on the ballot with like 31 alders saying, no, we don't. Let's just keep it how it is. Yeah. And to be clear, like you said, we've been a sanctuary city since March of 1985 uh, when Harold Washington signed an executive order prohibiting any city employee from asking about or assisting an investigation of the citizenship or residency status of any person. It also meant that people couldn't be denied city services based on their citizenship status. And mayor since had maybe not chipped away, but it had come up because Daly had to reinstate the executive order um, at one point. Um, and, you know, then it said, hey, I mean, you know, if a person is suspected of a, like a crime or something, maybe a this goes crime, away. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, Rahm Emanuel had to to reinstate it. Lori Lightfoot beefed it up a little bit uh, during during the 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 Trump administration. And now we're here again. And so I, I bring up this entire history just to remind people this is kind of par for the course. Chicagoans, just like every major city, just like America, they, we have a history of. Uh, sort of blaming migrants. We have a history of uh, trying to not only further disenfranchise migrants, but sort of lay the the city's eels on top of them. And, and we've done this for, for generations and generations. And so to see city council still go and say, hey, one, these are not one in the same. Two, we're going to keep this uh, sanctuary city ordinance on the books. Uh, Chicago will remain a place that does not participate uh, in these uh, exploitative investigations. Uh, but the numbers of the vote show that at one point this ordinance passed unanimously right, right, in city council. Right. And, and that's not the case anymore. That's not the case anymore. Yeah, it's interesting that you said that about the vote, too, is that, you know, this is the Johnson has been and he comes up comes to office, you know, justifiably on some big progressive ideals and convictions. And, you know, he has said he's going to be this is going to be the most progressive administration, you know, in history, which could very well happen. You know, it's a little early and, you know, the, it's a low bar. It's to a, a low bar. <laughs> it's a low it's bar. A, a high but bar also you 
you can only get so far if your council is not also the most progressive. And, you know, you can only get so far with your ideas and your legislation. But at any rate, I to your point, this used to be an unanimous and it shows that it does, you know, think about who elects our aldermen. It shows not just that our aldermen maybe are losing some of that progressiveness, but maybe also constituents are, right? And not just in the regular enclaves that we've traditionally thought of as more conservative, northwest side, southwest side. I think it is, um, I think the the cynic in people would say, if you put people inside a closed room where no one knows where they vote, they might vote against Chicago being a sanctuary city, whatever they say out in public. Of course we want them, but they might not say that in the voting booth. I'd have to agree. And I think that it's just really disheartening because I think it spreads, you know, it's kind of like the more people blame issues on migrants, then the more this type of thinking kind of acts as a cancer and spreads throughout the city. You know, when we know that just historically Chicago has been, it is a city of immigrants, right? Like we are a city of immigrants and migrants and people who come to the city and make it better. Like historically, that's literally why we have such large populations of different groups, right? Because, you know, like you mentioned, Carrie, like this ordinance doesn't even have anything to do in that way with the current migrants, um, you know, receiving that type of help. But people view it as that, right? So it's kind of like making this statement that people are not welcome here and that, you know, they don't support us being welcoming as a place. And I think that that just really goes against who we are. It definitely is a consequence of sort of the sort of false resource scarcity mindset, people not being able to fathom how is someone else getting something that that I haven't been able to get that my, my neighbor hasn't been able to get. And again, very real concerns, but in that that have been sort of mobilized in a very unproductive dialogue right now. Uh, and, and, and it kind of leaves, I, I feel like a sour taste in everyone's mouth. Ari, we have a strike that is going, I think, almost 50 days over at Columbia College that in a year in which labor strikes have been across the news, I think people might have might might uh, have missed updates on this. So so what's the latest? Are we any closer to to resolving? Um, No, (laughs) it feels as if we. In short, no. Um, um, I think that there are also some very unique things about this labor dispute that um, also make it different from other universities and other colleges. So we know that nationwide, many colleges and universities are leaning um, too heavily, you know, on adjunct workforce because, you know, you don't pay adjuncts healthcare. You don't give them benefits, right? And so it's a cost-saving measure um, for a lot of universities. And they're not, you know, like the salaries are lower. You're getting paid per class, right? And so that is overall in higher education an issue. But I think that one tension here, specifically at Columbia College, is because um, Columbia is, our Columbia, is, you know, a 
college that is really built on working professionals mm-hmm. teaching people, right? So mm-hmm. I just say that because, like, you know, when 72% I was two percent of the faculty, seventy two percent of the faculty are adjuncts. However, a good portion of that faculty are possibly intentional adjuncts, right? So, like, let's say, you know, you, Jacoby, you have a full-time job here at CityCast. You may or may not want to be also a full-time professor, right? Like, you may be like, well, I have a full-time job. I can't balance that. But I love to be a professor um, and to teach one or two classes when I can, but I have a full-time job, right? And so a lot of people are like that. So, your intentions and your goals, if you are, you know, not trying to be a full-time person, is different than somebody who wants to be a full-time employee but has not been given the chance. You want the benefits through the university. You want that, and you are being overworked and underpaid, and you don't have that opportunity. So because of that, um, a lot of the part-time faculty and the adjuncts are crossing the picket line and they are still teaching because they don't feel as if that union which they everyone is everyone that is an adjunct is a part of all the part-time faculty are a part of they pay union dues but they don't feel as if it affects them another big issue that is currently happening you know over the past week week and a half is that um, because so many of the faculty are adjuncts they want to create the union of adjuncts wants to create kind of this advisory council um, that helps make decision around curriculum and, you know, departmental changes. And the full-time faculty say, no, we want to keep those decisions at the departmental level. Um, Now those people are also working, like teaching double the classes because of the strike. So there's a lot happening. There's a lot of tension. And I think that um, it is a little bit more complicated because there's not like all of the or the majority of adjuncts want this and the majority of full time people want this. You have people who are in the middle and people who are crossing over that line and it's harder we know to strike when you have people crossing over that line, right? And they have a lot of people who are breaking the strike. And so it just makes it more complicated. And it is, um, it, it's hard to see maybe an end or a solution at this point. 100%. And we've seen multiple schools in the Chicago area, faculty coming together in some form or fashion, whether it was uh, UIC, um, whether it was uh, Chicago State. It's so unique because if you ask so many creatives in Chicago where they went to school, they'll say Columbia College, Chicago. It's such a big part of our community, you know, and so it does hit really hard um, because it's a city school with city students and city kids. And so its impact can be felt pretty hard. Yeah. Well, the CFAC, the Chicago College Faculty Union contract expired uh, in August. The union says that the the school has been dragging its feet. And now this strike is is at record length and, and is having a huge impact. And so we'll be continuing to follow this story likely well into the new year because the the term ends tomorrow.
Before we get out of here, every single episode of CityCast Chicago ends with <clears throat> some good news. Hey. It's going to be a personal story, Woo-hoo. a professional story, an event you're looking forward to, something that brightened your day this week. Ari, I'm going to start with you. What's your good news for the CityCast folks this week? Oh, friend. <laughs> this is, you know, I, I was about to... Oh, my heart is warm. It is filled with joy because this Saturday... The fam, you Rattlers, are taking on um, some school in D.C. I think it's called Howard, <laughs> um, the Howard Bison. I'm joking. I got a lot of friends who went to Howard. But Florida anybody, A&M versus Howard. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, um, as we know, both schools have really, really large populations in Chicago. So um, this is a really also big opportunity for recruitment and for fundraising for scholarships um, for scholarships for the Chicago kids who are going to be like this next generation of rattlers and bisons. And so, you know, it's all about the kids. Well, hopefully y'all have a good time watching the game. It, it might be a beat down. Howard coming to the game six and five while FAMU comes in 11 and one. Jacoby. And so- I already just said it's about the kids. It's not about the game. It's about the That's kids. what I'm saying. It'll definitely be about the kids because it might be a beatdown of a game. <laughs> yeah, he said it's okay because he said we're going to beat them down. So I feel like it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I'm sorry that we're so good this year. We're just so amazing. <laughs> For the folks who went to Al Howard, don't come to me. Go go deal with them. Go, go call your mama. Carrie, what is your good news? Okay, mine is um, mine is a bit general, but I feel like something maybe very uh, everyone can maybe enjoy. I was um, I spent a lot of time downtown this week for work and other stuff, and it was lovely to be downtown and see all the activity and the action <laughs> and. You know, it was nice that it's when you sort of juxtapose it against what we were all experiencing in the last few years. And, oh, nobody works downtown. I mean, trains were packed and, you know, buses were packed and people were walking around and people were in restaurants and people were at the cultural center talking about what a beautiful building it is. So I just would say some good news is a reminder that our city is beautiful. I'm going to finish off with some some good news that came out of Humble Park this week. And for the first time, the uh, Humble Park Puerto Rican flags at Paseo Barico were lit up. And so if you are driving by after, I believe, six o'clock, uh, you will see that now a landmark as of last year. You will see that landmark up for all to see. It's it's a part of the the Three Kings celebration. So they'll be lit mm-hmm. until January 6th, uh, which is uh, another religious ceremony that happens throughout the holidays. It also, you know. Honestly, the, I think the biggest Three Kings Parade is in uh, Barcelona, and uh, I'll be there for the Three Kings Parade this year. And what? So- okay, way to bury that good news. I know, and with and that's that's why you came with the pronunciation. Barcelona. You better you better Barcelona. Axios reporter and CityCast OG, Carrie Shepard, and the guest who has been on CityCast the most of anyone, professor and author, author Ariane Nettles. Thank y'all for making time for us. Thank you. Thank you. Before I let you go, I want to give a huge thank you to everybody who has become a member of CityCast Chicago this week. Trust me, it means a lot that y'all want to support what we do, and you should know that y'all are really setting us up to keep bringing you great conversations like this well into the future. So seriously, 
Thank you. Thank you. And if you haven't become a member yet, there is still time. I know you want to. I know you've been thinking all week, like, hey, I'm going to wait to that paycheck drop on Friday. Well, head to membership.citycast.fm and sign up now. I also got a ton of love for the people who help make CityCast Chicago and Hey Chicago possible. Our executive producer is Simone Alisea. Our producer is Michelle Navarro. Our newsletter editor is Sydney Madden. The music we all love is from Sam Thousand, all the kimonos, and Mark Greenberg from the Mayfair Workshop. And again, my last thank you is for y'all, the people who listen to CityCast Chicago, the people who read Hey Chicago, uh, the people who have decided that whether it's on one time or two time speed, that we are worth, you know, 15 to 20 minutes every day in your life. It means a lot to us. We really appreciate it. And we're going to be back bright and early on Monday. Hopefully you'll join us. Peace.